On the last episode of Scammer Stories. I had one of his scammers threaten to kill me. We heard from Wendy about the nightmare of a dozen scammers targeting her father before his death. The victim's family members go through a wide range of emotions. Anger, frustration, despair. I know, my name is April, and I'll tell my story in future episodes. This time, we're going to hear from a scamming victim in her own words. I'm a single mom, and I'm also a domestic violence survivor. It started innocently enough for Sue Hale. We started talking and he will ask me questions. Oh, where are you from? Where do you live? Do you live by yourself? Her scammer manipulated her for years. On this episode of Scammer Stories, Sue Hale bravely shares her story. It started on September 6, uh, 2016. He sent me an ad friend request um, in Facebook. And it was through a mutual friend. So I didn't think much of it. I... I just uh, added him, and um, immediately he responded um, saying thank you. He was very polite. He was from Egypt. He is a real identity. It's not a fake identity like um, the Nigerian scammers that they use fake profiles. Okay, so his picture was was actually his picture. Yes, it was. It was. But there was a lot of inconsistency, and this is... This is a main problem that we have is that we see the red signs, but yet we are so blinded that we think, oh, this can't be, you know. But in his profile, there was a lot of inconsistency. He said that he his location was um, in Egypt and Alabama. So he, he will spend three months in Egypt, and then he will come down to Alabama and spend three months there, and vice versa. So I said, well, where are you now? And he said, oh, um, I'm in Egypt right now, but I should be going back to Alabama in three months. Okay, I didn't think anything of it. I kind of checked out his profile just to see how it is, and I noticed that he had a lot of foreign uh, women that are friends. And I thought that was a little bit strange, you know, but I I just roll with it. And we started talking and he will ask me questions. Oh, where are you from? Um, where do you live? Do you live by yourself? Uh, what do you do? Basic questions that I didn't even, didn't even tend to realize what he was doing. Basically, he was assessing how much I was worth in order to scam me. And this is something that people do. These scammers, they try to assess the value. They check your Facebook profile before they even contact you. And they go through all your posts, all your friends. They check to see how is it that you respond, what is it that you post, what is it that you like. And then from there, they establish a relationship with you and say, oh, I like the same things. Oh, I can't believe, oh, you are a domestic violence survivor? Oh, and then he'll start asking me questions. And he would ask all those questions so later he can manipulate me and and use these tactics in order to uh, be able to scam me more. So he was a perfect boyfriend. In my perception. 
very flattering too, I'm sure. Yes, he was very flattering, very charming. And the problem is that when I spoke to other victims of his, they said, and I told them, how was he with you? And they explained to me how he was. So he will be the perfect person to each perception of every woman, what they needed, what they wanted in a relationship. He will be that person. So he would give you that sense of um, that sense of security. Um, he will be very patient. He told me one time, I am a very patient man. I can wait for years. That's how patient I am. And it made me seem like a predator, you know, would do that. Um, so I, that always threw me a little bit off. You know, I was like, why would he say that to me? In two weeks of us talking, we developed a strong um, bond. And um, he believed in true love. He believed in soulmate. And he thought that we had so many similarities because he would agree with everything that I that I will say all my values were the same as his. He was religious because that's another thing that they do. They target women who are Christian, women who are single moms. So then that way they can um, pull the heartstrings on you. So it will be easier to scam. So fine. I um, We created this bond and he said, oh, I want to send you some songs and stuff like that, and I want to send you pictures. Um, give me your phone number so we can go to another application, WhatsApp or Hangouts. And what they do is that they pull you out of the messenger of Facebook because Facebook is trackable, is recorded. So they take you out of that so they can be offline. So in case if anything happens, he pulled me out and um, got me to WhatsApp, and he will send me songs, songs that he will send other victims to. I wasn't the only one. It was the same songs. They recycle the same lies as well. So he will be having me on the hook, and he will be having 20 other women in the same hook. When he would tell me, um, oh, can you send me pictures of yourself and stuff like that, and I will send them pictures. But he also wanted um, explicit pictures, too. And I wasn't comfortable with that. And I explained to him that, you know, um, I didn't feel comfortable with that. And he said, oh, but we're going to, you know, but we have established a relationship because they're so quick to say, I love you. They're so quick to say, sweetheart, um, you're my true love and all that. He was so persistent. So I did it, and I later found out that it was to, they do that to extortion you, um, to get more money out of you. So uh, he has pictures of me. Um, he has my bank information, tax information, all my financial information, he has it. When our relationship developed very quickly, we became in a long-distance uh, relationship, a boyfriend and girlfriend. Uh, he wanted to come and see me, but he was having trouble with his immigration. So they kept denying him. And the reason is because he's been married before. And his ex-wife 
closed the case. So we were going to get married. You know, this was further along into the relationship. And we were thinking about getting married, but he wanted to come visit my family. And he will say, oh, um, I'm going to the interview. And then we will wait until the process. He will say, oh, they didn't, um, they denied me. So he said, oh, do you think you can sponsor me? But for sponsorship, you need to provide your tax information. You need to provide all the financial stuff. Ah, okay. So I did. So then um, he had all my information. It, it got to the point that it was all, it will always be an excuse. And he kept being denied. So I said, okay, so let me see if I can make a trip over there to Egypt. I had done my passport. I had done everything. He was worried about my safety because at that time um, there was um, a terrorist attacks happening in Egypt. So he said that he was um, he was concerned about my safety, and he passed like his brother and sent me um, an email saying for me not to come. And I'm glad I didn't because. And that weekend, it was uh, a church bombing attack that happened in Cairo. So I'm glad that I didn't even get to go. So but you were really going to go, though? I was really going to go because, April, um, I'm the type of person that I have been through um, relationships. And this has been the first time that I have done an online long-distance relationship. And normally when you establish such a trusted relationship with a person and you talk for, you know, and day and night and he's always available. I mean, we had like a connection. So I thought we had a connection. But the problem is that I needed to see the person, you know. He was having problems coming coming down to see me. So I said, okay, so let me go to see him because I want to make sure that the person that I'm going to be with uh, is the real person, you know. So when other people have long-distance relationships, they visit each other. So that's what I thought that I was going to do. Okay, I want to see this person. I want to I want to know how this person is. This is a person that I have been um uh, in communication with for 2 years. We would video chat. We will be uh calling each other. Um it, it will be day and night at all kinds of hours. He will be available for me. But when he will send me pictures cuz he said that he was a cafe owner. And he also was a diving instructor. And when I saw his immigration papers, okay, I saw that he had done um, his previous jobs, that he was a diving instructor. And um, he would say all kinds of excuses. Oh, um, my cafe just burned or, um, and then he will send me pictures of it. And I will reverse the image. And I noticed that the image was a fake. Was that your first big clue then? That that was my first big clue that I started noticing that the images that he will send me will be fake. So I will get upset and I wanted to know what was his response. 
and he will tell me, oh, I don't know what's going on. I think um, the pictures are being pulled from my phone into the Internet. I'm not stupid. That did not register with me, you know. And I started noticing that the pictures that he will send me, like every day, will be the same pictures that he sent me months ago. And I said, oh, this is the same pictures. In the back of my mind, I go, oh, my God, what's going on here? And um, he will always have an explanation for everything. One time I called him on the phone, and he always said that he had problems with the Internet. And he had problems um, of video chat because of the Internet connection that they had back then. And I noticed that in the middle of the night, he will be online. And I will tell him, why would you be online in the middle of the night? And he says, oh, I don't know. Um, friends have told me that, that, that they say that they see me and I'm not online or anything like that. So I'm here like, okay. Uh, he will be always saying excuses. And one time when I call them, I will be um, having a conversation with him. And it will be canned responses. I think I spent 15 minutes listening to him saying the same responses. It was like a playback recording. So I asked him um, what was going on here, and he didn't say anything. He kind of like changed the conversation because we also had a language barrier. His English wasn't that great. So... You know, he always had, like, a little bit of problem with the English. But now thinking back, I'm here thinking that maybe he just did that just to just to say that to me, you know, that he always had a, a little bit of a language barrier. But he understood perfectly. Um, he would disappear for a couple of days when he knows that I – am on to him or when I'm asking him something, then he will disappear for a couple of days and he will be like, oh, I had a family illness or he was sick or um, there was a death in a family. So it was always a tragedy or a sickness. When I wanted to do a care package for him for Valentine's and he gave me his real address. And I sent them a little care package and stuff like that. And I sent him a watch. But he's such a picky person. He wanted to see the watch. And he says, oh, but I'm a diver. And can you? So he picked an expensive watch. And he will pick um, stuff because he says that in Egypt, everything was, um, it will cost more. And they didn't have Amazon there. So I sent him an Amazon package. And then he said, oh, you know, um, because you are a student, you know, and you're not working because you're homeschooling your son, maybe we can do like a little thing that I will pay you. And, um, and because we don't have Amazon, um, you can order for us, and then I can give you money from the orders that you get. Mm. And I said, okay, fine, you know, um, I'll, I'll send you over like a processing fee and, and stuff like that. So I will do that. I think I've sent like five shipments 
and I think it was like a total of a thousand because that's what they do. They give you little uh, little transactions, so it cannot be traceable. He will tell me after I will send him the invoices, and he goes, "Oh, I'm having troubles um, sending you money because there is a problem here with Egypt that there is a crisis and they're not sending money out." They can only be sending money in. So the bank refused uh, for him to send me the money to pay me back. So he said that he was going to get a friend of his that lived in the United States to deposit that money to to my account. And I said, no, I'm not going to let you do that because I don't know that friend of yours and i don't i don't i don't feel comfortable with that friend sending me a deposit into my account if that friend sends a money into my account i am going to report it as a fraud april if i didn't do that i would have been involved in a mule scam mm-hmm. because the money that they will send is money from other victims and when that victim finds out that it was a scam, they will report it, and it will come back to me. Not only will it come back to me, but I will go to jail as well because it will not go back to the scammer. Everything falls to me, mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to let that happen. And that's what happens with other victims, that they become mule scams. Um, and they send the money back to the scammer. And it goes, the bank gets the money out, so you owe the bank all that money that you sent to that scammer. So, and they, and they get jail time. And these are things that I started seeing too late. I was already invested. I had, I had dished out Basically, throughout the whole period of the two years, basically $4,000 I have dished out mm. on him. And he said that he was going to pay me back, and he never did. And it, and it was always an excuse. When, when he decided that I didn't have any more money, he sent me a message posing as his brother saying that he was involved in a car accident and that he passed away. And because, yes, 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 and that he passed away. I think I was shattered. I cried. I didn't sleep. I didn't eat for three days. And I wanted to go to Egypt, and I wanted to um, go to the funeral because, being that it's a Muslim um, funeral, they do it the following day, you know. So I wanted to be with his family and stuff like that because the family, he would say, oh, my family loves you. My family says hi. So I thought I had a relationship with the family because all the shipments that I was doing from Amazon was for the family. So I thought that I was um you know talking to the family and and when i uh later find out 
the family didn't even know about me. That's later I find out. So I'm here like, oh, my God, okay. Okay, wonderful. I don't know who this person is that I've been talking to for two years. So um, I decided to look at his Facebook, and I saw that he was still, um, that his Facebook was still on. So I'm here thinking, I'm surprised why his family hasn't put that he died or closed his account. So I decided to contact one of his friends that he said that when he had come down to the United States, she was the one that he stayed with because his ex-wife at that time, um, they were, her family was racist towards um, Muslim. So, and he came down and he gave money to her family. So I thought. And his ex-wife was a horrible person because she cheated on him with another person. And, you know, he was heartbroken. So all that he told me. So I contacted his friend. And I told him uh, what happened, that I was the fiancé and that I, um, that I found out I received a message that he had died. She started to cry. This was a friend that he has been talking to her for 10 years. I started, we started talking and she goes, but wait a second, when was it that the brother sent you this information? And I explained to her, oh, it was on Friday. And she says, but wait a second, I received a message from him on, on Sunday saying happy Mother's Day. Wow, okay, so this was and a real friend. Like, this lady was a real I'm, woman. Yes. Okay. This woman decided to um, say, I want to know that you are the real person you say you are, because how do I know that you're not telling me lies? So we did a picture swap, you know, um, holding a peace sign, you know, so that way she can know that I am the real person. So she started asking me questions about the family about him, about everything. And I was answering that to her. And we both started comparing the lies. It was all lies. He was telling her the same thing he was telling me. He wanted to get married with her. He's been, he's been at it that he says that he was going to come down to the United States to visit her. He never visited her. He never stayed with her. He never gave her money. He never helped her. So all of it was lies. I shared with her all the text messages that I had. So she decided to text message him to see what happens. And he text messaged her back. And she said, I received a call from... Um, somebody named Suhail Diaz, and he said, oh, um, ignore her. Don't answer her. She is stalking me. Uh, this woman wanted to come to Egypt because she wanted to sleep with me, and she wanted to marry me. And you know that I am the type of person that I cannot sleep with any woman because I need to love that person. 
If it wasn't April because I sent all the text messages to that girl, she would have believed all the lies that he would have said. She was in it for 10 years. She was in it for 10 years. Finally, when she spoke to him, he said, oh, uh, I posed as my brother and I told her that um, that I died because I wanted to get rid of her. And and the girl, the friend said, and that's and that's how you got rid of her by telling her that you died. And made it seem he downplayed the whole relationship that I had. He downplayed it. So all the money that I gave him, everything. He never put not one, not one cent towards me because he couldn't. Um, Egypt was holding the money. So in the two years, I dished out $4,000, and he didn't dish out nothing. When I decided to contact his ex-wife, and I found out all the lies that she was getting married, and he was calling her because he wanted, he told her, I will forgive you if you come back to me. She goes, I am getting married. He will call the husband to be and started threatening him that he was going to take him to court because he was taking his wife. And I said to her, how was the relationship when you were with him? She said, I spent $8,000. I was doing the immigration papers. I was married to him for five years. I visited three times Egypt. And every time I would visit, he would lock me up in the room because he was concerned for my safety. Oh, my. And he will get her ATM card and he will leave. And she said that sometimes she will feel very groggy and she will sleep for hours. And that was every single time that she came up. So he, she was the one that was giving him the money. So what she decided to cancel the immigration case when he started threatening her. And he started saying, well, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go visit you because he said that he was in Florida. And it was a lie. He never came to the United States. And he said, oh, I'm here in Florida. And she says, oh, okay, well, let me visit you. He says, no, I'm not going to let you visit me until you fix the sponsorship. Once you fix the sponsorship, then I'll come and visit you. So that was the way that he would try to manipulate her. And she decided to cancel the case because she um, thought that he was very ungrateful. And um, I feared for her because um, the problem is that in Egypt, the woman is like um, property. And she said that if she would return to him, let's say if she would disobey him, she will be killed. Because over there, if you disobey the husband, I think there is like a death sentence, you know. So I said to her, well, I am glad that you didn't return to him. Now, she almost did because he will keep at it. You know, he will be still talking to her and trying to wrap her in. 
um, because these people pry on um, victims who have been previously uh, abused uh, physically, emotionally, um, people who have been in domestic violent relationships. So it's easier to pry on people who have low self-esteem or um, uh, they, they will use these manipulation tactics in order to control you. They are the type of person that they will be involved, okay, in your life, in your family's life. He will be controlling every situation. He will be controlling the friends that she will see. He will be controlling, um, he will be friends with her friends. He will be uh, talking to her family. So he created the sense of trust. So it's easier to control on the victim. When you are in a, in a violent relationship, you start to um, you start to trust on your manipulator. And this happens when people are are very um, uh, low in self esteem. They don't have um, they don't have the confidence to stand up to the manipulator. She found out that he had secret accounts. He had fake profiles, and he was talking to 20 women at the same time. He had them on the hook, and he was offering them marriage. Um, they will be sending him money, and they will be, you know, um, same situation with me. It, it will be the same situation. He will be leading them on until the last minute, until they they suck you dry and they leave you in financial ruins, and they leave you without anything. I was left without anything. Just three days ago, he comes back. No. And he sends me a long email saying that he has stomach cancer. (laughs) That he had stomach cancer, and he was on chemotherapy for three months in the hospital. And that he didn't want to tell me because he said that um, I wouldn't be able to bear it, that God knows that I am a good person. You must think, um, you must hate me. I just want for you to forgive me because we had so many dreams together. And I wanted to explain to you what was going on, but I didn't know what was the percentage of survival that I was going to have? The doctor told me that I was um, had only 30% chance of living, and I didn't want to do this to you. April, I wanted to. <laughs> I, so many things ran through my mind that I wanted to do to this person, because how dare you come back to re-scam me? I wanted to say thank you to Sue Hale for sharing her story. It's difficult to get people to grant me an interview. They're often embarrassed or ashamed. Sue Hale feels passionately about sharing her story to help others. Another reason victims are hard to reach for interviews is they're leery and 
it's for a good reason. Their accounts are locked down and sometimes deleted even. If you have a story to share, please message me on the Scammer Stories Facebook page or Scammer Stories Podcast at gmail.com. I've also had some very interesting back and forth with scammers. They're not happy that I'm doing a podcast on this subject. Coming up on the next episode of Scammer Stories, we'll hear from a leading expert on how to avoid scams, what to look for, and maybe a story or two on how he scams them back. Until then, please subscribe and give the podcast a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. It's the only way we can reach others. See you next time, everyone.